time for the 71st QuackCast. This is the real QuackCast. There's another one out there. It's devoted to comic books, but mine is the real deal. Mine's the one that's won best health and fitness podcast two years running. Aren't I special? I'm doing this outside today because it's a gorgeous day here in the Pacific Northwest, beginning of September. So you'll hear extraneous sounds, mountains, cars, cats being run over. Nothing you can do about it, but live with it. So this one is called Cam, the Beer Goggles of Medicine. It is summer, the kids are off, and the time to write dwindles in the face of sun and golf. Nonsense, however, knows no season. And in my readings this week, I came across the phrase, the undeniable power of the placebo. I will do my best to deny that power at least three times before I crow my conclusion. One of my first entries for science-based medicine back in the mists of time, and it's hard to believe I've been doing this for three years, was the placebo myth, where I argued that the placebo has no clinical effects, that clinically placebo has irrelevant physiology, and at the very most leads to a slight change in perception on the part of the patient that they have less pain. Not a decrease in pain, probably, but a decrease in the perception of their pain. Essentially, placebo does nothing. It has no power. Two studies this month continue that argument, demonstrating that placebo has no practical benefit, and the crowing in the media mistakenly trumpets that it does. The headline on Medscape, and I will mention here that I'm a Medscape blogger, reads, Placebo Effects Modest in Treating Common Cold. Hmm, how modest? Personally, I prefer my mice to be modest. 719 patients with new-onset common cold were randomly assigned to no pills, placebo, blinded to echinacea, or open-label echinacea. Illness duration and severity were the main study endpoints, and neutrophil count and interleukin-8 giving it that sciency feel from the nasal wash at enrollment, and two days later were also secondary endpoints. No surprise that for the heart endpoint, white cells and interleukin levels, the sciency part, the study showed no difference. Placebo and echinacea, as if there's a difference between the two, had no effect on measurable reality. There was also no difference in the severity scores in any of the groups as well. However, those who thought they received echinacea thought they were better faster, 2.58 days, not statistically significant, than those who did not know they were getting echinacea. As is usual with CAM studies, only when the patient believed that they were getting a potentially effective treatment did the subjective and only the subjective aspects of their illness improve. The author said, quote, Participants randomized to the no-pill group tended to have longer and more severe illnesses than those who received pills, end quote. What was the difference between three placebos and no treatment over an illness that lasted a week? The difference was 0.16 days, two decimal points. Now that's accurate. That would be three hours, 50 minutes, 24 seconds faster improvement. Seriously, 
that is a clinically relevant number? Is there anyone who can mark the onset and end of a cold with that kind of precision? Over a week, they improved 2.2% faster. That is modest. Is such an improvement likely to be a real effect or part of random clustering seen in all studies? So here's another study that demonstrates that the only effect of placebo is to change the perception of an illness, not the illness itself. Of course, you could argue that changing your perception of pain alters the pain. I have argued in the past that since they don't alter function, they're probably not altering pain, since pain is often a rate-limiting step for function. Placebos of all kinds, and all CAM is placebo, do nothing for objective findings, only change the perception of disease. It is a curious phenomenon. If someone's perceptions convince them that they are abducted by aliens, or see ghosts, or have witnessed a UFO, or has a psychic event, many would say, and rightly so, that perceptions are unreliable and that they are being misled and misinterpreting what has occurred. If the same thing happens with scams, we get funded by the NCCAM. The second study was the Newland Journal of Medicine asthma report, which was discussed at length on science-based medicine. Patients with mild asthma had no objective changes in their lung function, but were subjectively better if they had a placebo inhaler or sham acupuncture when compared to no treatment. Again, no objective change, only subjective change. Well, if the patient says they're better subjectively, then they are better if objectively unchanged, right? It's an interesting question, almost a zen koan, like the sound of one hand clapping. Or if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? The answer, as proven by Bob and Ray in the late 50s, is no, it does not. If there was an overarching theme to TAM-9, it was that humans have an amazing ability to convince themselves that phenomenon that have no basis whatsoever in reality are, in fact, real. It could be UFOs or ghosts or psychic abilities or libertarianism. People believe these phenomenon are real, but they are only fooling themselves. And please, you libertarians in the audience, don't send me copies of The Watchtower. At the end of the day, there is no placebo effect, only a change in perception. Illness appears better through the beer goggles of placebo and cam. But in the morning, when you wake up, the disease is unchanged. Virtually all scams have no effect beyond that of placebo. So I hereby declare a new law, and someone needs to get this into Wikipedia. Since cam effects equal placebo, and placebo effect equals nothing, therefore cam effects equal nothing. We'll call it Chrislip's Law of Cam Transitive Relationship, as I so want something named after me. And as the homeopathy founder Samuel Hahnemann demonstrated by declaring a random concept a law with a big L, it imbues it with a fundamental validity. As I say, get me on the Wikipedia. Both the AFP and the NEJM have the same dumb moment. These studies, quote, 
support the general idea that beliefs and feelings about treatments may be important and perhaps should be taken into consideration when making medical decisions, unquote. Duh. Of course it's important to take into consideration the patient's beliefs and feelings when treating them. The more involved the patient is with their treatment plan, hopefully the better the outcome. A huge part of my practice of medicine is just that interaction. After 25 years, most of the time my practice is not that difficult. Most consults could take me at most 15 minutes from start to finish if my clinical issue were the only issue. Me find bug, me kill bug, me go home. That's my job. It's not really that hard anymore. The time spent in the consult is often not making the diagnosis and starting the treatment plan. It's talking with the patient and their family about all the ramifications of the disease and what they can expect. The New England Journal of Medicine article, however, bordered on the ludicrous. Most busy clinicians do not have time to read the articles critically. We rely on a hierarchy of trust and know from prior experience that some journals are more trusted than others. The Annals of Internal Medicine lost my trust years ago, and I always read their articles with a grain of salt substitute, knowing they like to publish gullible nonsense. First the acupuncture article, now the current asthma article, and the Newland Journal has fallen from a journal that I trust to one that I now must read in suspicion. I was taught long ago that you judge a person by the company they keep, and the Newland Journal has now been frequently spotted in the company of nonsense. Look at the abstract, which is all most people will read. Quote, although albuterol, but not the two placebo interventions, improved FEV1, that's lung function for you non-medical people, in patients with asthma, albuterol provided no incremental benefit with respect to the self-reported outcomes. Placebo effects can be clinically meaningful and can rival the effects of active medication in patients with asthma. Yeah, right. Their FEV1 is no change, so they're going to end up later in status epilepticus on a ventilator. They felt better, but their lungs weren't better. What a maroon. However, from a clinical management and research design perspective, patient self-reports can be unreliable. But we will proceed to ignore that for the rest of the discussion. An assessment of untreated responses in asthma may be essential in evaluating patient-reported outcomes. End quote. Placebo effects can be clinically meaningful. You are receiving a scam-based, placebo-based therapy. You think you are better. Your tumor, your AIDS, your rheumatoid arthritis, your asthma, your heart attack, your basic pathophysiology with all its physiologic consequences, metastases, immune dysfunction, joint damage, lung inflammation, continues unabated and unchecked. And somehow, that's good? The accompanying editorial has to have the most dumbass straw man in the history of medicine. Seriously, don't the editors of the New England Journal of Medicine know anything about logical fallacies? <sighs> Quote, What is the more important outcome in medicine? The objective or the subjective? The doctor's or the patient's perception? The distinction is important since it should direct us as to when patient-centered versus doctor-directed care should take place, end quote. I am rarely insulted by the scam world. Mostly I just roll my eyes and give a snort of laughter. 
This, however, is the New England Journal of Medicine, what used to be a respected journal. The goal of medicine always has been and always will be about both. The heart of patient care is establishing a therapeutic relationship and everything that is placebo, quote, effect, unquote, is part of the interaction between the patient and the healthcare worker. To suggest otherwise is both disingenuous and insulting. The issue for as long as I have been in medicine is the best way within time and financial constraints to apply and nurture the non-objective parts of medicine. What is not needed is to wrap up the patient-physician interaction in pseudo-mystical nonsense, lies, or non-reality-based therapies that are scams. Quote, Maybe it is sufficiently simple to show that a treatment yields significant improvement for the patient, has reasonable cost, has no negative effects over the short or long term. This is, after all, the first tenet of medicine. Do no harm. End quote. It appears that the New England Journal of Medicine is advocating some sort of form of Fernando medicine. It is better to feel improved than to be improved. I suppose not being effective is not considered a negative effect over the long term or short term. And I always thought that the first tenet of medicine was heal the patient. If you can do that without harm, so much the better. A positive subjective response plus no objective response yields nothing. A negative subjective response plus a positive objective response yields a suboptimal clinical outcome. A positive subjective response plus a positive objective response yields the best of clinical outcomes. It is what we, in real medicine, strive for. SBM, at its best, offers the last. SCAM, at its best, offers only the first. It offers nothing but beer goggles. And so we get to the end of the 71st Quack Cast, the real Quack Cast. More fun than anybody has a right to tolerate. Now that you're done, what do you need to do? Yes, you need to go to iTunes and write me glowing reviews because my fragile yet ravenous ego demands it. And don't forget, you can find more of the growing Mark, me, Mark Media, <laughs> more of the Mark Chrislip growing multimedia empire over at moremark.squarespace.com where you'll find links to my blogs, my podcasts, my books, and a detailed history of my genealogy. Well, maybe not the last. See you for number 72 in about two minutes.